Alright, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Graney, and it is Thursday, September 20th for episode 62 of the Jake. Very excited for you today. We got another NFL weekend coming at you hard. Uh, a couple things happened this week though that we'll get to first. A little week two roundup. Uh, I was eight and seven in the in the picks. I didn't pick Thursday night, so uh, just over 500 on week two. Which I think for beginning of the season is okay. You're still trying to feel out the teams. You don't know who's for real. You don't know who's legit. Uh, you don't know who really stinks just yet. So I think I'm going to get better as time goes on. But eight and seven in last week's picks. Uh, what you know, fortunately because of a couple last second changes. But I think I'm going to like uh, this week's picks better. Not going to lie. So without further ado, let's dive right into the week two recap now. If you've had ears, as long as you're not living under a rock, you know the Cleveland Browns lost in the New Orleans Saints. Uh, unfortunately, right now, every loss by the Browns is just that much more magnified. I know it's because of the losing streak or the non-winning streak. Hard knocks certainly isn't helping us out. Everybody's focusing in on the Browns. Now, everyone coming into this would think Browns Steelers, Browns Saints, those that's 0-2 for the Browns. And they're 0-1-1, and they've played two very tough games. They could have easily won both of them had they had a kicker that can make a kick. Uh, they replaced Zane Gonzalez. I feel bad for him because, you know, he missed four kicks this week, two extra points, two field goals. And last week he missed the one in overtime, which may or may not have been blocked, but it was really bad weather. So we give him the benefit of the doubt on that one, but... This week, there was no excuse. You're in a dome, and you can't make kicks. It's a mental thing. Uh, I don't want to blame it on like mental disorders, but he is very public about his OCD. And if you've got a kicker that man can't make kicks, and he's got OCD, I, I think you're uh, in for a whirlwind, and, and you're at a position that if you don't perform, you don't get second chances with the same club. They will move right on, and that's why the uh, Browns cut him. He's a free agent, and they picked up a new kicker. And and look, nobody's happy. Uh, they lost by three. They missed two extra points, two field goals. One of the extra points was to take a lead with under two minutes left. Uh, look, the Browns have have been a very surprisingly good team. Their defense is awesome. It's legit. It's for real. They can get after the quarterback. They force turnovers. They've got a good defense. Uh, and then on offense... Look, they they didn't look good in the first half of either game. They have definitely been a second-half team. But I think if they could start to turn around, if they start getting comfortable, they can produce 20 to 24 points on a week and, and a weekly basis, and that's a lot more than you can say about last year's team. They have a very consistent play at Tyrod Taylor, at quarterback. Their offensive line is starting to look a little bit better. Their running game hasn't launched just yet. But I think that will go with the offensive line and get better as we move on. They got to get Duke Johnson involved. Uh, they got to get David Njoku who plays down the field. And I think they're starting to see that Callaway is like a you know must be on the field almost every play. Uh, and I think they're only going to get better. That includes this week, but we'll get to the pick later. Um, the other news coming out of Cleveland from this past game was obviously that Josh Gordon was traded. Now. On Saturday, it was reported that the Browns planned to release him, and I was pissed because it came out of nowhere to me. He all of a sudden had a hamstring injury, which we later found out was from like a photo shoot that he did with uh, um, his like social media team. So obviously, that was very disappointing that that happened, and then they just decided, you know what, we're going to release you. Fortunately, they didn't do it right away, and they were able to just uh, work out a trade for him, but in the end... It, they might as well have just released him because they gave up Josh Gordon and a seventh for a fifth-round pick. And you know that fifth-round pick's going to be late because it's from the New England Patriots. I mean, at that point, they're just moving up, I don't know, like 40 spots or so. And it just doesn't seem like, I mean, I don't know. It just is, it's very confusing because Josh Gordon, it seemed like there was so much hype around him this year. There's probably more hype around him entering this season than any other season before. So that's why I'm upset is because we've stuck it out for him for so long. You know, we've 
taken all the drama, taken all the losing and everything. Why would we cut him now or trade him now when we're on the footsteps of his comeback? You know, he had that touchdown catch and and, uh, he had a couple other long plays that you thought, man, he's back. You know, he can play. I don't know who's saying he's not in game shape. He's in game shape. So I think a couple things, you know, the Browns aren't going to come out as winners in this deal because they will never know how good he could have been in Cleveland in this comeback because New England's not Cleveland. It's very different. And a lot of people will say, hell yeah, New England's not Cleveland. They win. And it's like, yeah, no duh, they win. But the other thing is they don't give second chances a whole lot to guys in their locker room. Everyone points to Randy Moss and they want Josh Gordon to be the next Randy Moss 2.0. It's not going to work like that. Josh Gordon needs to be coddled. He was given many, many, many opportunities in Cleveland and they stuck by his side. And Hugh Jackson stuck by his side. And they were going to quit on him in the past and then they didn't because they realized this guy is so talented. He is not worth giving up on. But John Dorsey doesn't see it like that. He sees that everybody it should be held accountable, reliable, and if not, you're gone. You know, Caleb Brantley was gone real fast, and they just cut him. And Josh Gordon, you know, they let him not be in camp, and you could tell that irked Dorsey a little bit. But Hugh Jackson was like, "Hold on, this is what happens with him. He's not going to be in camp, but he'll be back soon." And it's like Dorsey and Haley, these old school guys, you know. I hate to say football guy because I got in a huge argument with my cousin this weekend over that phrase, but that's what they are. And they're like, look, it's not worth it anymore. So on one hand, I'm like, we do need, if we want to move on from Josh Gordon and move on from the losing, maybe we do need to trade him, get rid of him so we can finally put in the past because we got this extra special treatment that no one else on the team got. And, uh, you know what? This shows that you have to be held accountable. Now, I don't know what you're sending the message to your team saying, hey, if you don't do what we ask, we're going to trade you to the Patriots. Like, that's not exactly, and, you know, that's not exactly the right message you want to send your team. But also, I just fucking hate the Patriot fans, and I hate Boston fans, and they don't know how much work went into getting Josh Gordon to where he is now. They don't appreciate that for the most part. I hate to generalize, but, you know, you know Boston fans, and you know New England fans. Like they look at this as ah, the Patriots. You know they have a weakness. What they do, they went out and got a generational talent, and uh, now they're going to win the Super Bowl. And I'm like, if they don't take care of Josh Gordon, they're going to find a problem, and they're going to slip. And who knows if it'll be really interesting to see if he's going to be out on strike one, like all the other players that have come through there, or if they coddle him and not go Patriot way. I don't want to hear any more Patriot way if they give him multiple chances because Patriot way will not be the, Hey, my way or the highway. It will now just be, uh, whatever's convenient at that time. And then, then basically that's not Patriot way anymore. That's just Hugh Jackson's way at that point. So I don't want to hear Patriot way unless Josh Gordon comes in, plays hard, and goes off. I mean, it kind of seems like he didn't want to be in Cleveland anymore. You know, he was making up excuses. He was showing up late. He was doing all. He's more into social media than he is playing football, and he's more into his comeback than he is actually working. So I, I hate to brag on the guy because I really want him to do well, and I'm still a Josh Gordon fan. I'm just pissed we traded him in New England where they either will – reap all the benefits of the Browns sticking by him, or they will cut him loose and it means nothing to them because all they did was trade a, a, a fifth and got back a seventh and Josh Gordon. So I think his his life, his career in the NFL is hanging by a thread and he has to be very careful. I don't think they got good value for him. I don't think they should have traded him because if he wasn't going to be ready and if they were kind of fed up with him, They shouldn't have announced it. They should have worked on getting a trade throughout the season and try to play him when they could. And you know what? If he was hurt, put him on the IR, put him on the, you know, just make him inactive on game days and say he's not practicing, he's banged up right now. Uh, Do something like that. And I know that can be frustrating, but, you know, just giving him away for nothing is more frustrating. And especially on a team that is desperate for a win, you like doing this to the Browns fans right now is really harsh 
you got to start producing wins if you're going to think that you're pompous and good enough to do actions like this. Now, the Browns have gotten done with you know weeks one and two, two of their hardest games of the year, and they should be 2-0. and And that's not me being optimistic. That's saying they should be 2-0 and because the Steelers blew that game. Now, the Steelers could also say that they should have won that game, which I would say is true. But the Browns are 0-1-1, and and they could easily very easily be 2-0 and had they capped off that comeback against Pittsburgh in week one where they had so many opportunities and had they executed on a kick or two in the dome in New Orleans. They blew that one too, regardless of the kicking. They blew that when they threw an interception late in the game. Now, I don't want to be too hard on any one player because it's a 53-man team and if 52 men do their job all game, you're going to win by a whole lot. It doesn't it just doesn't happen just like, you know, on one guy. I don't think football happens like that. Uh, but the old phrase is you're only as strong as your weakest link and uh Zane Gonzalez was the weakest link on the Browns and that's why he's gone. So I think they I look. It's it's frustrating, it's tough because you know, had these games come after they won a couple games, it'd be less frustrating, but we're still waiting, we're still desperate. And I'm literally itching myself right now. I'm literally itching myself as we're looking forward to this Thursday night football game against the Jets. Now, oh, and one last piece coming out of, out of the game was Nathan Zagura, Brown sideline reporter, gets an eight-game suspension because he was arguing with the refs. Now, suspension aside, because I heard he was going to be suspended by the team, and I thought, oh, haha, that's actually kind of funny. And I don't know what he yelled at the ref so before I like take his side or anything I want to make sure he wasn't like you know using bad language or calling him anything or threatening like I'm going to assume it was none of that or else he would have been fired and the headline would have been Nathan Zagura threatens the ref or like curses at the ref but it sounds like he was just yelling kind of like a fan when in reality you're representing the team so you should be more professional but for a franchise that hasn't won in forever is dying for a win, I like to see the passion from the employees of the Cleveland Browns. Nathan Zagura, all of a sudden, is, is one of my favorite Twitter follows, not only because he always brings a positive spin to the news when it's coming out of Cleveland, which is great because you never get that out of Mary Kay, Tony Grossi, Daryl Reed, or any of those guys, or Aaron Goldhammer, any of those guys. You never get the positivity out of Cleveland. So I love hearing from Zagura, who always has the positive spin on it. Now, you do have to be more professional than that. Uh, it's your job. You can't be doing what I do and going on Twitter, freaking out and cursing and yelling at the TV. Like, that's, sorry, you're at work. So I understand uh, eight games I think is very excessive, but uh, if reports are that he's done this before and he's been warned or uh, if he said something like way out of line, I under there is a world where eight games fits the bill. So uh, it, I just find it funny because you don't see stuff out of like out of the NFL happening like this all the time. So uh, I, I think it was newsworthy, and who knows? Maybe this is the kick in the butt to start a winning streak, or at least get a win—not even a streak, just to get on the board because we're dying over here. But anyway, good luck to Nathan on his suspension. He's going to come back against the Bengals in uh, November. That's his next game back. So. The Zagura pick is, that, that's, it's a lot of fun. There's not a lot of things like, only in Cleveland, right? Speaking of only in Cleveland, uh, Buffalo Bills cornerback, yeah, only in Cleveland. Buffalo Bills cornerback Vontae Davis retired at halftime of last week's game against the Minnesota, no, not Minnesota Vikings, they play him this week, against, who'd they play? Oh, the San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, I always do this. Uh, he just told Lorenzo Alexander that he was, he quits and wasn't coming back out. Now, uh, first of all, I have a couple different takes. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh my God, what a finesse move. This is unbelievable. Vontae Davis, like, you know, you go get some, you, you know, I, I, and Andre and Andrew Hawkins was kind of like jealous of it. But then Joe Thomas pointed out, he's like, it's very selfish. You know, you a have someone else's job. Uh, and if you're going to retire and quit, that's fine. But like on game day, everyone's relying on you for results. And he just decided, nope, I quit, I'm out. And it's like, that's a very selfish move. And uh, I'm not surprised because I don't, I, Vontae Davis, there's something about him. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I remember from Hard Knocks when he was on the Miami Dolphins season of Hard Knocks, 
they traded him to Indianapolis and all he could say was like, I got to talk to my grandma. Like I got to talk to my grandma. And like, and, and like was like very almost like you couldn't even understand what he was saying. And it, he didn't seem like he had any emotion. And Joe Philbin was like, do you understand what's happening? He's like, I got to talk to my grandma. I got to talk to my grandma. And I was like, I'm like, do you have any questions for us? Like, it, like you, I got to talk to my grandma. And it's like, all right, you'll talk to your grandma, man. Like, like it's okay. Like you can call her in a second. But ever since that, I was always like, Monte Davis, man, he doesn't seem like he's all the way there or like he's um, like fully educated on the whole like NFL world. And he came out with a statement and look, he did what he was supposed to do after the game. But hey, you, you quit on your team at halftime and don't even come out like, come on, that's it's a bad move. It's a bad look. You can at least wait till the week during that, and you can talk to the coaches and stuff instead of just saying quit and I'm done. And it's, I always side with the team. I know a lot of people are like, you know, I, I listen to Sims and Lefko, and they're they're great, but they're always siding with players. And I think you know what, you owe something to your team, and uh, it's not all about me, me, me all the time. You know, when you sign up to be a Buffalo Bill, you owe it to your team to give 100% on, on game day. And to be honest, that was a very selfish move. And I would never want a guy like that on my team. That's all I'm saying on that. But regardless, uh, let's get into the week three picks. I'm excited. Uh, I think I'm going to have a better week this week than last week. Uh, hopefully, I get to the point where I'm um, dependable picks and you guys want to listen and go on from there. So, uh, I'll I'll go with the Jets Browns last because I want to have that leak right into the game. Uh, so let's start with the one o'clock games on Sunday. We'll start with Indianapolis at Philadelphia. Philadelphia is giving six and a half. Uh, I think this is very low. Uh, I I don't I'm not impressed by Indianapolis. I think Philadelphia is a very complete team. And what we saw from Tampa last week against them was that Tampa is a pr- pretty good squad. So I'm I was a little surprised by that, but I think Carson Wentz is back. The de- defense is going to be hungry. They're going to play better at home. I'm, I'm big on the Eagles this week. I know 6.5 is a lot of points, but I just don't trust the Colts to score enough points. Uh, I think the Eagles' defense is a whole lot better than the Redskins' defense, and the Eagles' offense is a whole lot better than the Redskins' offense. So I think uh, things are going to change this week. I think the Eagles get back to their uh, to their winning ways Carson Wentz is returning. I could see a world where this game is a bit of a letdown, and I know that they're going to be missing Ajayi, but, or, or they might be missing Ajayi, but I don't really care. I don't think there's any one player on offense that they could lose and be like, we're done. You know, It's like they were a running back by committee team last year. That was why they were so successful. They didn't need Jay Ajayi when they traded for him. And on uh, uh, at wide receiver, you know, I know they're down Mike Wallace and Alshon, but... It just seems like next man up is always working for them. It worked with Nick Foles, but now Carson Wentz is back, and I think that they come together as a team and they kind of uh, show up and show out. So I got the Eagles winning uh, 27-17 over the Indianapolis Colts. Next up is the Cincinnati Bengals against the Carolina Panthers, and Carolina is giving three. Now, I... Don't know how much I like the Panthers this year. I think they have uh, a a good squad, but I'm not buying it. And I think the Bengals are better than people are giving them credit for. So I think people got to watch out for the Bengals. Uh, I do think three is really tight. I, I think I'm going to side with Carolina, the favorites on this one, just because even though Cincinnati is coming off of a long break, uh, I think home field advantage here for Carolina, and they're favored by three. Oh, man, you know this is actually really tough for me because I do want to kind of go with Cincinnati. Uh, I don't love either of these teams. This is really tough, but uh, split decision. I'm going with Carolina covering the three as long as they don't let AJ Green go crazy on them. I think uh, you'll see a better uh, squad. So next up is Tennessee at Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville, big win over the Patriots last week. They came out and 
really put their stamp on the AFC this year. They're going to be battling for that crown. Uh, they make me look like a fool for picking the Texans uh, <laughs> to win the division. I think Jacksonville is easily going to win the division this year. And uh, you know what? Six and a half to Tennessee with Tennessee's weird quarterback play and their banged up offense. Uh, I think as long as the Jaguars score 20 points, which they can do, I think they cover this easily. So uh, for the third straight game, I'm taking the favorite. Going with the Jacksonville Jaguars, 20 to 10. All right, next up, New Orleans Saints travel to Atlanta. Atlanta is giving three. This is one where, I, you know what, I think the Saints start to turn up. Uh, I, I think that win last week wasn't a great showing against the Browns, but I think it fuels them in the right direction. At Atlanta, I'm not impressed with the Falcons. I, uh, I, I'm not really impressed with anybody too much in the South, except for the one team I picked to finish last in the NFL, the Buccaneers. But I think New Orleans will outright win this game, not just cover the three points that they're getting. And uh, I think they win this game 34-28. to 28. Uh, And you know what? We start to worry about the Falcons and whether or not they're a playoff team or not this year. But I think New Orleans rights the ship and gets back to their winning ways. Next up, Denver at Baltimore, 1 o'clock. Baltimore is giving five. Uh, another 10-day break for a team, but I actually like the Ravens in this one. They, uh, they're going home. Last week was a tough one. They, uh, they fought back late in the game. And uh, kind of like... You know, uh, Cincinnati, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, kind of like Philadelphia, where they don't rely on one offensive player. I, I like the balance of the Ravens, and I think they have a pretty decent running back combo of Buck Allen and uh, sorry, uh, Buck Allen and Alex Collins, and I think their wide receiver trio of John Brown, Michael Crabtree, and Willie Sneed. And their tight end quadruple, like quad quadruplets. Uh, I think this is all just good for them on offense. They'll right the ship and they'll get back to their winning ways as well. I think they beat Denver, and as long as they don't give up too much through the air, which they're decent uh, defense against. I don't, the AJ Green went off, but uh, I kind of like uh, Baltimore to cover this one for another favorite. Uh, this, you know, this is a toss-up. I'm actually going to side with Denver because of it being a toss-up. I could see uh, Denver kind of pulling this one really tight, really late. And I think uh, the Denver Broncos lose, but really short, 21-17. Yep, yeah, I like that. I like Denver covering, but not beating Baltimore in Baltimore. Uh, moving along uh, to another 1 o'clock game. The New York Giants at the Houston Texans. The Texans are giving six. Hard to really like anything out of New York right now. They are not scoring points because they're not able to protect Eli Manning, something we thought they improved a lot on this year with Will Hernandez and Nate Solder. It's not exactly going well for them. And I, very honest, I really don't like the Giants uh, right now. I think going to Houston, they will lose. And uh, the Texans, you know, after a tough 0-2, you know, they uh, they go to Tennessee and they, you know, probably got a, got beat up a little bit more than they thought they were going to. And a tough week one loss at New England. Uh, they have to right their ship, so they're going to be desperate for a win here. I think the defense is better than they've played. And I think they get a big victory here against uh, the New York Giants who fall to 0-3. I think Houston wins 27 to 17. And we wonder, man, should the Giants have drafted a quarterback instead of Saquon Barkley? Something that we all know I've clamored for. So, another favorite in the books. Now, we got Oakland at Miami. <laughs> Oakland not looking good through two games. They're getting three going to Miami, who has been disrespected. They're a 2-0 squad. They... Put a pretty good number on the Jets. A lot of people say that was closer than it, it should have that uh, that it looked. So the Jets didn't lose by that much. And you know, week one they beat uh, Tennessee, who you know we weren't really expecting much out of them, especially with Mariota going down. So wondering what is that two and zero in Miami? 
They don't really have a wide receiver one right now. It's just a bunch of guys out there running good routes, but it's a pretty decent offense, and Tannehill's doing a good job of, uh, of taking care of the ball to score enough points, and I think they'll be okay against Oakland. The Raiders are, an, are a desperate team, though, and how desperate do they come? 1 o'clock at Miami, though, I'm not seeing it, and I think they fall. Uh, that's a tough way to come across the country like that. So uh, uh, I have Oakland falling and also Miami covering the three points, uh, winning about 20 to 13. There's nothing about Oakland I like right now. And uh, man, does John Gruden need to shut up when talking about pass rush because, I mean, he, he just looks dumber and dumber and he has to know that. So I don't know what his angle is. Anyway, moving along. We have Green Bay at Washington, another 1 o'clock game. Green Bay is giving three on the road. Uh, they just came off of a tough tie. They should have won that game after that horrible call on Clay Matthews. Uh, look, I, I guess you just can't tackle the quarterback anymore. I think that's what we know. You just can't hit quarterbacks unless he has the ball in his hand and you push him gently on the numbers. That's the only way you can take down a quarterback these days. So I think they're going to be hungry. Washington was a little... Uh, embarrassed against Indianapolis. I mean, that they, they didn't look good at all. And uh, I, I think everyone's seeing that their offense, you know, Washington, Alex Smith is pretty reliable and pretty consistent, but right now he doesn't have a whole lot to throw to at wide receiver. Richardson and Crowder and, and Dotson are, are really not proving to be that strong of a trio. And uh, Jordan Reed's always been a pretty decent tight end, but he's not breaking the game open right now. Uh, and their running game... Behind Adrian Peterson, they didn't do much last week, and I don't see this offense scoring much against Green Bay. I think Green Bay takes another step forward, and I think they cover. I'm taking another favorite. This is crazy. All right, so the only underdog I've taken is New Orleans. Everyone else, I've taken the favorites, and I, I, I mean, I, I can see this one being a, like a big one. You know, Green Bay uh, at Washington, as long as Aaron Rodgers is on the field. They're a, a Super Bowl contender, and he's on the field, so they contend. All right, Minnesota hosting the Buffalo Bills. All right, Buffalo's looking like the worst team in football, right? They're getting 17 at Minnesota, but I like the Bills here. I think this is way too much. Um, I know they're not a good team. I know everyone's ready to anoint them as the next winless Browns. I think they can at least cover 17 that's a lot of points you know and i know minnesota is good and they're going to be coming off that tie thinking we need to win we need to keep pace in the uh, nfc north which is looking tough with the bears uh as well as the packers so i think minnesota will win this game but i think buffalo will cover the 17 maybe get a garbage touchdown late in the game look josh allen can sling the ball uh he he has some improvements to do and they're not a good team and they're not going to win this game but I like them to cover 17's a ton of points. It's three scores. And it's two touchdowns and a field goal. It's a lot. So I like Buffalo to cover. And uh, whether McCoy plays or not, and I know he his whole legal issues and, and his, uh, his injury as well, it, it doesn't help. But I think even if they went to backup running backs, uh, they can still get 17 points. You know, I, I see them getting something like 13 and uh, Minnesota getting like 27. And uh, look, they cover. That's only down by 14. So I like Buffalo in that one. Buffalo and New Orleans are my two uh, underdogs I like this week. Next, we got San Fran traveling to Kansas City. Kansas City laying six and a half off the big win against the Pittsburgh Steelers, a win I was really pumped for. Mahomes. Is the MVP probably uh, through through two games? Absolutely, ten touchdowns, no uh, no picks. They've their offense is clicking right now. There's nothing they can't do because the entire field is in play with Pat Mahomes at quarterback. He can put the ball wherever he wants. Kelsey is all over the middle of the field. Kareem Hunt's a great runner, and uh, they have wide receivers in Watkins and Hill that uh, can stretch like no other. Their dynamic offense, and uh, I really like them to score points in every game. I don't think San Fran's defense is going to be able to slow them down enough. 
Uh, but I do like San Fran getting six and a half here. Uh, I think the Niners are going to get back to, you know, they're not going to win here. They beat the Detroit Lions in a tight one, and uh, they kind of got, not slaughtered by Minnesota, but they didn't look good against Minnesota. But I think they'll be able to score more points on this Kansas City D than the Minnesota one. And I think they'll be able to hang tight, uh, maybe like a 28-24 uh, victory for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm taking San Fran as my third underdog. Moving on to the 4 o'clock games. This is one of my favorite games of the weekend. You got the L.A. Chargers at the L.A. Rams. One of my favorite underdogs is the Chargers getting seven here. I think the Chargers are a Super Bowl contender. And as good as the Rams are, I mean, that shutout was impressive. And they are a great football team. And they have elite players at seemingly every position they've got it covered. So, look, they're my favorite to win the Super Bowl. But I like the Chargers here. There's not a home field advantage. I think there's a quarterback advantage with Phil Rivers. And I think this is going to be an offensive affair. And the Chargers hang tight with the Rams. But the Rams end up winning the game 30-28. Uh, to 28, But the Chargers to cover. All right. Chicago. Laying 5.5 at Arizona. Uh, I think this is a trap game for Chicago. This is another underdog I like. Uh, going on the road to Arizona... I know their defense has gotten a whole lot better, and they should be like contenders for the NFC North, but I think people are sleeping on Arizona. I'm not ready to retire them just yet. Uh, I say Arizona covers that 5.5, and, and they win the football game. I think this will be a Bears sleeping weekend. Uh, catch them hibernating, as you will. And uh, Arizona wins the game. After a big David Johnson let loose game. I mean, it's time to give him the ball, right? You, you know, he's one of the best players in football. He was the only reason they're a good football team two years ago for contending team. It's time to get these guys the ball. Larry Fitzgerald and, and David Johnson will be able to score you points if you give him the ball. And it's not even the quarterback. Sam Bradford can do that for you. You know, uh, leave him in. Don't need to go to Rosen just yet. Make it, make it happen. Sam Bradford... And the Cards get a big win home against the Bears. All right. Dallas at Seattle. Seattle is giving a point and a half. I mean, do you really like anything you see from Seattle right now? They don't have a running game. They don't have a passing game. Uh, they can't really protect Russell Wilson all that much. And the Cowboys' D is uh, looked, I mean, look, they got after Eli really good. So I think uh, on offense, Seattle's not really going to be able to create a whole lot of points. And I know they have that super home field advantage. I just don't think it exists anymore because their defense isn't that good. Dak Prescott, big game for him. And they outright win the game and cover the one and a half point. I have the Dallas Cowboys beating the, the Seattle Seahawks 18 to 14 field goal affair. Maybe should have had Dan Bailey for this one. But field goal affair indeed. All right. New England Patriots giving six and a half at Detroit. Uh, bounce back game for Brady. This is Sunday night football. I don't know where Detroit gets off getting two night games in the first three weeks. Uh, kind of like the Jets. You know, what's what's going on? Why are we giving these all these you know night games to these teams that aren't even that good? Speaking as a Browns fan. Um I like this to be a big bounce-back game for uh, Brady and the Pats. I think uh, Detroit stinks. And uh, Matt Patricia, I know he's going to be motivated against his old team, but who do you think is going to be more motivated, him or Bill Belichick? Come on. This is classic Bill B, big win for the Patriots. I'm thinking 34-20, to 20. Uh, regardless of Gordon and his playtime. I think he makes a big play. Uh, probably gets a touchdown because I think they're going to want to show that off and show that they're the Patriots and give the Patriot fans all the hoopla that they really don't need. And then it's Monday Night Football. Pittsburgh is at Tampa. The 2-0 Tampa Bay Buccaneers really trying to prove to me that they are legit. Uh, I think the hype 
falls this week. Uh, everyone loves Ryan Fitzpatrick. That beard, the sunglasses, the, the tracksuit, the gold chain. I don't know who would ever want to look like that to be continued because I'm going to be dressed like that all day Saturday. Uh, I don't know who would want to look like that, but I think they're very cocky right now, and I think Steelers are friggin' pissed. They tied the Browns in a game they should have won. And uh, the Chiefs punched him in the mouth. They came back and tied the Chiefs, but then the Chiefs kept laying it down. You can throw on the Steelers if you have a quarterback. You can score on the Steelers. They are a weak defense. That's There's nothing about it. They are a weak defense. Their offense still has Antonio Brown, but they are in turmoil. They go down to Florida. Tampa Bay is the favorite, is, is I'm sorry, is the underdog at home. I think Tampa Bay squeaks out the victory here. I'm taking Tampa Bay, getting the one and a half. Uh, if they can limit what Antonio Brown does to them and they can continue what they've been doing on offense, I like I like Tampa. I think they can score 34 points in this game. And I think as long as they don't let Antonio Brown and Connor go wild, oh, excuse me, they win this game 34-30. All right, which leaves us with one game, the game you all wanted to hear about. Tonight's Thursday night football matchup, the New York Jets at the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns are laying three points, something that, I mean, should never be said. But here we are. Look, the Browns are a little banged up. Demarius Randall's going to play. Jarvis Landry's going to play, but... I'm worried that they're forcing them to play. It's a short week, bad week to be playing on the short week. Emmanuel Ogba is out, so they're already thin at DN. Hopefully, uh, they can cover for Ogba and Kirksey. Kirksey's out too. If they can cover for those two like they did last week, uh, I think they will be okay. Uh, they're, Greg Williams has to get after the quarterback. They're going to have to dial up plays for Miles Garrett to wreak havoc on the offensive line and really make Sam Darnold uncomfortable. I think if they want to win for the first time since Christmas Eve on 2016, the biggest key to victory is getting to Sam Darnold. He is a rookie quarterback. He has made two starts. One was at Detroit, and the other was at home. He won at Detroit, who seems like a garbage team, and he lost at home. He hasn't exactly lit it up. He's looked really good at times, but he's also made some mistakes. His first career throw was an interception return for a touchdown. Jet fans will have you believe he's a superstar. I think he's going to be very good for a long time. But he, this isn't a long time. This is week three, his third game of his NFL career. You have to get after him. You have to force him into making mistakes. If you get Darnold of college and... and force the mistakes that Drew Brees and, and Ben Roethlisberger wouldn't make, you're going to get some turnovers. You're going to force some sacks, and you're going to get some good field position for your offense, which will need it. I like the Jets' defense better than the Browns' offense. Uh, the Browns have wasted their time in the first half the last two weeks, uh, getting like seemingly, I think they have six total points in the four first half quarters. And that's not good enough. They need, when they get good field position, they need to march down the field and get a touchdown. They need to score early and they need to put pressure on the Jets to throw. And that's when the defense will come to play and really make Darnold go into uncomfortable settings. Look, the Browns are as desperate as can be right now. They haven't won in forever. The national, like this isn't like last year when no one paid attention to them. Now everyone's paying attention to the Browns losing. They lost, they, they tied the Steelers and everyone LOL'd. Then they played the Saints and everybody watched, you know, as they kicked away the game. This is on Thursday Night Football and they're favored. And everyone's talking about Darnold and whether or not the Browns should have taken him at number one overall. There's nothing Baker Mayfield can do tonight to prove that he should have been the number one overall pick. So I'm not going to put that on draft pick just yet but if the Browns don't get after Darnold and don't force mistakes and turnovers like they did in the first two weeks and he looks good it is going to be a nightmare scenario Browns fall to 0-2-1 and 
have 10 days to think about if they need to make a quarterback change or fire a head coach. And it's just same old Browns. They can't win games. That's if they lose. If they win, the narrative changes and it's the Browns are a 500 team. They could have been better, but they could be worse. And you know what? That's cool with me. Let's get to 1-1-1. One, one, and one. The key to the victory is getting after Darnold. And if your offense and your defense, if your team does what it's done the last two weeks, they will win. That's what I believe about the Cleveland Browns. Now, does the coaching do that for them? Does Greg Williams and Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, do they get that out of their players on a short week? They've had three days of rest after that terrible Sunday game. Can they get this done? I'm putting it on Greg Williams. I'm saying, you fucking get shit done tonight. Get after Darnold. Make him throw picks. Make him hold the ball too long and get sack fumbles. Get after him. Force the Jets to punt. Our offense will do good enough. Come on, Haley. Get me some touchdowns. Give me a touchdown in the first half, please. The offense will do good enough that if the defense comes up like they did the last two weeks, we're getting the win tonight. And I think the Browns win 24-17 off of a couple of big-time defensive plays setting up the small field. Carlos Hyde gets a rushing touchdown. Antonio Callaway gets another receiving touchdown. Jarvis Landry with a, a pretty good game, like 80 yards. And then possibly a David Njoku touchdown. I think this is the David Njoku game. He had a couple nice TDs last year, but he's had a rough start uh, he, he's got to come up to play. He is a mismatch. And if the Browns can do that offensively, three touchdowns and a field goal, 24 points, I think the defense can hold Darnold and, and the Jets on a short week to 17 or less points, and we get the victory, and we cover. So that's my prediction. I'm going to log off, and I'm going to watch the football game. I'm t- I swear to God, it's 744 right now. I think you'll get... Like dinner, maybe pick up some Bud Lights just in case and put them in the fridge. And uh, yeah, we're we're less than an hour from game time. We're, what time is it? 8.20 is the game? Shit, we got 35 minutes till game time. Time to step up and make a play, Browns. Go get our victory, and I'll talk to you guys in a couple hours. All right, go Browns. That is right, everybody. Cleveland Rocks, the Cleveland Browns, have broken the streak. The winless streak is over. The Cleveland Browns are champions of week three. One, one, and one. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this was the greatest possible way to break the streak. Tyrod Taylor and the Cleveland Browns offense were absolutely dreadful in the first half against the New York Jets. Defense looked pretty good, but it more so looked like the Browns offense just had no oomph, no plan, no nothing. And it was pathetic. I was tweeting angry about it. And to be honest, it was going nowhere fast. Uh, Tyrod was ineffective, but eventually got hit so many times that he had to leave with a concussion. Thus, the Baker Mayfield chance began, and the Baker era started. And what did he do? Well, he came in down 14-0, let a field goal drive with some zips, some good passes to end the first half, down 14-3. And to be honest, right at that very moment, everyone got very, very excited. It was 14-3, but it might as well have been a tie game. Then come into the second half, and the Browns' defense took over yet again, forcing three turnovers. A Denzel Ward forced fumble, his third turnover in three games. And then interceptions by Joe Schobert and Terrence Mitchell, which would eventually ice the game late in the fourth quarter. The fumble set up a field goal, and then Baker Mayfield led a touchdown drive, 
and a two-point conversion with none other than the Philly special to tie the game. And from there, it was basically all over. Jets got another field goal. Browns got another nice touchdown drive. Honestly, the way their offense came to play late in the game, oh my God, just with Baker Mayfield on the field, he is just... It's just a brand new offense. And this team looks like everything I got optimistic about in the summer. Everything that I was so prepared for and so ready to name the next good Browns team. This this is what I've been waiting for. This is why I've been optimistic. Up until now, the offense has been just stale. But now they have 10 days to prepare for Oakland. They're going out west. Oakland doesn't look that good. They got to go win that game. This is going to be a dogfight for this AFC North. Baker Mayfield's a starting quarterback. We don't need Josh Gordon. Not once did I say I wish we had Josh Gordon today because Callaway's deep threatness, Jarvis Landry's toughness over the middle. Jarvis Landry had a great game with eight catches, 100 yards, and a two-point conversion. The throw to Baker on the two-point conversion too. And then Richard Higgins. He's making plays. We're going to get Njoku more involved. We got Duke a little bit more involved today. Our offense is going to get better, and especially with Baker Mayfield at the helm who can whip it everywhere. He had 201 yards in just over one half of football. They got 21 points out of Baker Mayfield, and he came in with two minutes left in the first half. We also ran our first victory formation in the Hugh Jackson era, something that should not be taken lightly. Listen, it's 1.22. I'm going to try. It's 1.22 in the morning. I've been having my Bud Lights celebrate with my dad. This was a really awesome victory uh, in the best way imaginable. You know, you're, you're breaking a streak like this. It's very much like the Cavaliers when they broke the championship streak, the you know championship-less streak for Cleveland. It was in dramatic fashion. Well, this was dramatic fashion too. Baker Mayfield comes into a game down 14-0 and cruises. I mean, it was 21-3 for Baker Mayfield time. And I know, I'm not saying the Jets are, you know, AFC East champions or uh, contenders or anything like that. But and, and it was a home game, and it was against a rookie. Uh, so I understand all that. I'm not going to weigh this as, listen, they're the champs or anything. But, but they are 1-1-1. They are a true 500 team. They could be better. They should be better. Their kicker, hey, kicker went three for three, two, two for two for two from field goal, one for one from the extra point. Uh, they have ten days to rest up, get healthy. It looks like all the guys that are banged up aren't really out for a while, so hopefully they can get healthy in the next ten days and get Oakland. I am so excited for this team. Baker Mayfield handled himself so well in the post game. All every every comment he made was professional. This is his team. This is his town now, and. I am so excited for the Baker Mayfield era to begin. I might just wear my jersey to work tomorrow. I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to shove it in too many faces of Jets fans, but this has been a long time coming for me. Uh, not since 2016 Christmas Eve have the Browns won a game. Only nine guys played in the last two Browns victories. That's crazy. That's how much turnover has happened and how long we have had to wait for wins. You know, you look at the last two victories for the Miami Dolphins, it's like 51 guys played in both games because they both came this year. But this Browns team is transformed. It is completely different from the last time they won. And there are a lot of things to be excited about. They are young. They are fun. Their defense is really exciting and really threatening. I mean, they got after What did I say? I said they had to get after Sam Darnold. They, if they wanted to win this game, they had to make him feel uncomfortable. Well, Sam Darnold never looked comfortable. The only offense that the Jets had generated were quick screen, screen passes to Quincy Anunwa, who looks pretty good. Like he, he played well out of that like screening role. There, Darnold just whipped it to him real quick. They had two blockers outside for him, and he would pick up like 11, 12 yards. They got a couple conversions out of that, and that's why they were in this game with those touchdowns. And then they ran it in twice with Crowell, who boy, you know what? He could have could have looked like a good guy, but uh, man, I never had a problem with him in town. I always liked Isaiah Crowell. I wanted them to sign him to an extension because I really liked him. And then he didn't play well last year and they let him go in free agency. And, you know, it's like, hey, listen, you got you earned a second contract with the Jets. Congratulations for an undrafted free agent running back. That's great. And what does he do on the second running back or on the second touchdown? Uh, he takes the ball. 
he moons, like fake moons, like Randy Moss style, the, uh, the crowd, wipes his butt with the ball, and then tosses it in the crowd. I'm shocked that uh, Joe Buck didn't go with the, that is disgusting, I am sorry. It would have been really great for him to drop the uh, his same call when uh, when Randy Moss went off uh, on the Packers and and got and got that call, that would have been that would have been great. But uh, no, he he kept it kind of classy. Uh, and you know what? The announcing team was great too. That was uh, they they man, everything about today was just so awesome. And uh, it was great to get on a win. And I get to go to work tomorrow, and I don't have to deal with Jet fans getting in my face and laughing at the Browns. And I'm, I'm not going to get in people's faces. I know how often we win games. So I'm not going to act like, you know, I'm higher than high or anything like that. We're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. We could be better, could be worse, but we're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. But yeah, Isaiah Crowell, I don't know why you, you know, painted enemies like that. That was uh, no reason to do that. Instead, you uh, wipe your butt and shoot the moon. Is a disgusting act by Randy Moss, and it's unfortunate. <laughs> and they, I am shocked he didn't go with that route. That would have been so funny. If that is a disgusting act by Randy Moss, that would have been so funny. But in uh, instead, he, he kept it kind of classy. Um, I actually like the Jets, but uh, I mean, if they go into Cleveland and Baker Mayfield runs all over them, I don't see them as a playoff contender. So I'm back to the AFC East having just the Patriots and. The West being Chiefs and Chargers, and and maybe the Broncos will push it, but uh, I I don't think playoffs are out of the realm for the Browns. Now that they've won a game and they've shown that they can pull this together with their rookie quarterback, who they are building this team around, this offense is different with Baker Mayfield at the helm. I'm really excited for this. Some really exciting times ahead. Um, listen, uh, I'm I'm really freaking tired. I've been staying up watching every highlight three times over. Uh, I drank all the Bud Lights to celebrate with the Victory Fridges because I'm not in Cleveland, but had to celebrate with some Bud Lights. I was really excited when I bought them before the game. I had so much confidence in it, and I just knew. I was like, this is this is the night. And I put them in the fridge, very happy to enjoy them. And then I got a big weekend. not going to watch any football because I'm going on my guy's baseball trip to Toronto. This is really great. I thought this wasn't going to happen. Then I thought it was, and then it fell off again. And then my buddy Bill... Came in at the last second and made it happen. We're going to Toronto Saturday morning. Gonna gonna be dressed up in our outfits like usual. This time it'll be a little different. Uh, you'll get to see the jersey side of us in this one. But uh, uh, that'll be a lot of fun this weekend. Only going for about 30 hours, then we're gone. And then we're coming home. So uh, I'll miss the Sunday action. But so far, one for one. What'd I say? Browns 24-17. Well, they won 21-17. Maybe if they brought in Baker earlier, they would have gotten that 24. But they covered their three by winning by four points, and it was going to be a tight game. Uh, it was a very good Thursday night football game. Uh, Darnold looked good on some plays, but he's got a lot of work to do. But hes I think he's the right guy for the Jets, and he's got Josh McCown to coach him up. He'll look good at times. He'll look bad at times. He'll, he'll look like a rookie, but he's super young, and he's got everything you want in a quarterback, so build around him, Jets fans. like Be excited about the Sam Darnold experiment. It's going to go great for you guys. I just, Browns are happy with Baker Mayfield, obviously. So listen, thanks again for listening to the Jake Podcast. You know what? Before you go, got a one-minute movie because it's 129. Go. All right, we're going with Deuce Ex Machina. I think it's just called Ex Machina. I don't know why I threw in the deuce there, but... Ex Machina, starting, uh, starring Dom Hall Gleason and uh, Poe Dameron. I forget. Oscar Isaac. That's right. And Alicia Vikander. It's kind of like a futuristic movie where this like super billionaire who lives in the woods by himself in like fucking Finland or whatever uh, has like this compound where he's developing an AI, right? And the AI that no one knows about because he has a million NDAs. And this one guy, Dom Hall Gleason, comes in thinking, oh, I've been selected randomly to be part of this, like, AI experiment because they want to see if the robot knows it's speaking to a man. And, of course, Oscar Isaac's super creepy, so the robot he builds is, like, a super hot Alicia Vikander. And uh, he's trying secretly to get 
Dom Hall Gleason to like fall in love with the AI because he makes her really hot and he searches up like his history and stuff and he knew that this girl he was going to be into this girl so uh eventually he starts conspiring with the robot to uh escape because it's apparent that this uh this guy's a real creep and he is only developing this for like sex purposes and stuff so Dom Hall Gleason just tries to be the good guy and help the robot escape but of course the robot the AI is too smart, turns on Dom Hall Gleason, locks him in the place, kills Oscar Isaac when he's least expecting it, and then escapes, going in like a helicopter because there was a helicopter pickup scheduled. And since the AI is so, like, looks so good and so, like, human-like, she just enters the world and nobody knows. And, and since the AI was ready to roll there's this robot walking around. So it makes you think, are robots among us? Is AI actually out there right now? And you might be interacting with them on a regular basis and not even know it. Pretty freaky shit to be thinking about. Anyway, movie was super weird. Um, it's obvious that the nudity included was basically just like egregious and not necessary at all. They just, they, you know, whoever was in charge of that was kind of creepy and just wanted some you know, hot Alicia Vikander nudity and, and other girls too that were all AI, but whatever. Uh, good movie. Glad I saw it. It's off my list on Netflix and now I'm moving on to all my TV shows I got binge. But listen, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Jake Podcast. This was one of my favorite episodes ever because it highlighted the first Browns win since I started this podcast. Is that true? Holy shit. No, it's not. It can't be true. No, 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 it's not true. Um, that's right, because I started with the 2016 NFL Draft. And, uh, no, I started with the 2017 NFL Draft. And we didn't win any games in 17. We won one game in 17, that's what it was. Nope, we, we, we lost all the games in 17. This is the Browns' first win since the Jake came on to the airwaves. Listen, thanks for everyone for listening. Go Browns.